Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Tom Metza from Rep Hunter. Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Tats, good to be here. Thank you for having me. So what really stuck out on your profile, because I'm Canadian, is your hockey background. Tell me about that. Okay. Well, you're from British Columbia, right? If I can remember correctly. So I'm from Northern Minnesota. So basically all we did up there was we, we play hockey, we hunt and we fish. (laughs) So that, you know, and then I went to school in in the St. Paul area. I went to Hamlin university in St. Paul. And then I went out and had a couple cup of coffees at uh, some teams in the West coast league. So, but now I've been active in coaching hockey and coaching my kids and coaching other kids to advance their careers. So, I mean, that's been the biggest part of my last 10, 12 years is getting other kids. My, my life is, she's gone. So, I mean, let's get other kids up and running. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you've done hockey and then you've been involved in sales and you've had a rep agency for a while. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I had a rep agency for over nine years. And that's part of what got me into Rep Hunter. I mean, I made some some changes that happened when I had children because I wanted to coach them. I want to be there, their baseball coach, their hockey coach and everything. And sometimes when you're a rep and you're an aggressive rep, you're on the road six days a week. So I had to make some changes in that. And that's kind of how I ended up, you know, where I'm at right now. Yeah. So you've been at Rep Hunter for a while. You've built up a lot of expertise in this area. What do people that are not familiar with reps, either from a rep level or from a manufacturer's point of view, what are the misconceptions that you commonly run across? I mean, the one thing is that you look at, we deal with full commission reps or 100% commission reps, and, but we don't deal with the financial guys or the insurance guys, folks like that. So their perception is that, well, are they going to be, how many lines do they carry? Do they carry like, 10 other companies and some of them. Yeah. Some big, big agencies did. They do carry a large amount, but the biggest thing is that the misconception is that, okay, these guys already have not guys. I mean, I'm using gender neutral, but they have the relationships to go into these companies already. They're they're already established. They've been their 10, 15 years experience doing this. So when you, bring on an independent rep, it's a completely different experience than bringing on a, you know, a W2 who maybe has a couple of, who's got a cold call their way in sort of thing. Yeah. So, okay. So you found a, a rep, there's a relationship and you have to onboard them as, as an organization. Describe to me a amazing onboarding process. Well, amazing. I don't know if I can do that, but I can do a normal onboarding process is to Perfect. get the rep agreement worked out. Like you work out the rep agreement, which are pretty standard. I mean, there's really nothing unique about them. They, they cover, you know, the IRS covers, you know, that these are independent reps that you're not paying them. You don't have to pay them benefits or things like that. They don't technically work for you. 
they're completely independent. The rep has to cover their own expenses, that sort of thing. The rep has to then agree that they're not going to carry a competitive product. So those are the basics. And then once you get through that, I mean, then it's, it's, it's no different now than bringing on a regular rep at that point. Now you have to train them. You have to you know, bring them up to speed on your product. Again, most of these folks have several well, 10, 15 years experience. So they don't need you know, a lot of training, but they, you know, if it's a technical product, they need some training. And you got to bring them up and then you have, they have to know your systems and how you integrate with them to produce just the process stuff. It's a lot of you know, just process stuff. So then how do you integrate them in your system? So then they get paid on time and then you're happy and you understand what they're doing. And, and it's just, it's a little bit more schematics than anything else at that point. Yeah. So you found a rep, you're going through the onboarding process. Do you ever know if a rep is good when you initially meet them or do, do you have to go through a trial period? Is there, is there signs that they're going to be good when you meet them initially or is it a trial and uh, error point, point of view? Well, I mean, that's, that's a difficult question because yeah, I mean, they are, there is basically in everybody, there's a trial, no different than you or I, there's a trial and error checkpoint on everybody, but yeah, you can check their background. You can see what they've done in the past. They can see their contacts they have. And to me, everything is connection. It's connections, connect. Who are they connected with? Can they get you into this place? And if that's a good fit in their business, then they're potentially a really good fit. Then you have to treat them accordingly as well. I mean, what happens, unfortunately, with independent reps sometimes is they get treated like a little bit like second-class citizens and companies don't respect them like they should. And they're no different than your, your rep, your sales manager making 125000 So if you treat them properly and they have the connections and you've had good, good communication with them coming up, traditionally things are going to work out. Can't guarantee 100%, but traditionally they will. Yeah, so, okay, so you get them on, they're excited, and then, like you said, you, you treat them well. From there, I mean, what sort of advice do you give? Because I, sometimes there's conflict, right? There's Maybe there's two reps or an existing employee, and although you use lists, there's conflicts that occur. How does those manage, or how do you proactively manage those? Well, it depends on the industry. I mean, a lot of times we just go geographically, like, okay, you're going to have Ohio. But then if you're depending on the type of product or service you're selling, we can go, we can go consumer-based. So they can go, okay, we do, we do account-based. So we, they name their accounts. So they say, okay, I'm, not, I, I'm already covering these 50 accounts in New York. So those are their accounts to cover until they prove otherwise, then those are theirs. So you can go either way. I mean, the traditional model is to go geographically, but I mean, in the tech industry, we, we do a lot of unnamed account stuff. Mm. So, I mean, if, if you were to sort of fan out, geographically would be neater, but if people had contacts outside the geography, you could sort of have an agreement and if there was some conflict, you can kind of work it out between its, uh, itself. I mean, what sort of method do you prefer? Keeping it neat and tidy or just sort of flowing with the opportunity flow and then sort of tightening it up later? No, I think 
commission splits are normal, been a part of this business forever. So, I mean, okay, if I'm, and especially in the retail industry, so if I'm covering Target and, but I need help in Texas to cover that, you do commission split. And that's just normal course of business. That's nothing unusual in this business. So that's normal course. I mean, other than that, you look at, okay, in the tech industry, it gets a little bit more, a little bit tighter, but yet it's kind of the same option. Depending where they're buying offices and who's making the decisions, I mean, that's the primary person all the time. So, but they may need support in their secondary outlying places, wherever they're at. So, and that's where you do commission splits. That's, that's normal stuff. Yeah. So commission splits, 50-50. I don't know. It, are those comp- commission split on ongoing or like, a, like an override or is it the first transactions? What do you typically see? No, traditionally it's ongoing. I mean, depending on what your service level has to be to that client. So, I mean, if you are in Texas and the account was in New York and you have to service that, that account on a regular basis, yeah, I mean, you need to get... Most of it. You know, you need to get, get up. So, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, that makes sense. If, if one rep has to service it, that split for the other one that made the introduction or set it up, is smaller. That makes a lot of sense. That keeps That's totally it. That's completely it. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So let's see. I mean, in terms of the industry, you said that the things, the rep industry has, a lot of things have stayed the same. What sort of things are changing in the rep industry? The biggest change is the move to tech. Like before it used to be traditionally just manufacturing, a lot of manufacturing, you know, like nuts and bolts kind of folks. And now we see a lot of tech people coming in to the industry and they do very well. They do very well. So we see a lot more tech people coming in. And then just in general, I mean, based on the last year, we've just seen a lot more activity than we've seen. You know, companies are the only issue you have is that, and you have personal contact with people. I mean, you can't, people just can't make calls. They can't just, they can't have appointments. They can't have that. It's all Zoom stuff like this. So that's the, that's an issue. But overall, it's, a, it's the tech side. Yeah. So early on, you, you said you made a, a switch to your current role because of the travel restrictions. Is the modern day independent rep, can they be in one location and use these tools and be a, a rep? Or do you find that, that being a barrier? Again, it depends on the industry. Like if it's a tech industry, a lot of that is going to be phone work and Zoom work and stuff like that. If it's a retail industry, yeah, those folks, they're going to be road warrior. They're going to be putting a windshield time. And that's just how it goes. So, I mean, it, it, it really, there's no set standard for it. It just depends on the industry. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, what are the examples of companies that do it right on the rep side like in terms of let's say they have a rep agency and they're they're managing their team and stuff what sort of best practices do you see around growing an organization as a rep agency right i'm not going to name names but i mean yeah some of the, the the good groups i mean they take care of the reps i mean they have their weekly meetings they the independent rep industry is so different because it's it could be a single rep. It could be you being the individual rep. 
versus an agency that you work for. So the biggest thing is that they take care of their, their reps and they, they oversee them, they help them out, they support them, they'll do sales calls with them. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I see. And as far as, again, with the bigger agencies, they're going to go out on calls with the reps. I mean, they're going to help them out. They're going to support them. And then they're not going to take a cut off that. That The rep still gets paid off that. Yet they're going to go out and help that rep close that deal. And I think that's a huge difference that I see with, well, again, if you're a major rate agency right now, I mean, that's how you've gotten to be a major agency. So, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I know that your platform, Rep Hunter, has done a lot in terms of onboarding. I really liked it. You had a book and all those sort of things. Walk me through some of the things that you consider in terms of reducing the friction between the the rep and the manufacturer. Well, I mean, communication is always the first first thing. So if you have good communication, I mean, and again, all these things should be worked out in advance. It shouldn't be something that comes up later on after you're working with them. It should be something that's worked on the rep contract. It should be stuff that you're talking to in advance. I mean, you're having those two or three or four conversations well before you ever get to this point. So, I mean, if something goes sour once you're into the relationship, well, I mean, that's somebody's, yeah, you can't, you can't qualify for that. You can't account for that. You can't predict that. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, when you're not, Doing your stuff at Rep Hunter, what sort of hobbies or things do you do? Well, right now I have a hockey game going on on another TV over here. Sitting in my office, I have my my kiddos playing hockey, like golf, the normal upper Midwest kind of stuff. Like I hunt, I fish, I do all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just, I don't find it unusual. I just find it normal, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, if you had to go back, and give your younger self advice, what would you say? I would, (laughs) that's a (laughs) heck of a question. So I would definitely say, go, you know, like in hockey, go for it. Just don't, don't accept one when they say that you're not good enough or whatever it may be. Just go for it, you know, and things will happen. I mean, when you're, accelerated and advanced and things will happen. So that would be my advice. And not that I'm unhappy where I'm at right now. It's just like, you know, love to be a retired, you know, NHL player. Would that be great? So wonderful. Yeah. So who's your favorite hockey player? I've got a bunch. So, I mean, that gets, I mean, Duncan Keith right now is always my favorite. And he, he's got his hair going. It looks like he's Jesus right now. So, uh, yeah, he's been far my favorite player for a long time. But, I mean, there's a ton of these folks that are, are fantastic, you know. Wonderful. Now, is there anything that I didn't ask you or that you wanted to cover? No, I think, you know, the biggest thing, again, I always want to emphasize. And, again, I don't want to promote anything. but in the independent rep world, it's the folks already have the connections. So that's a huge difference than putting somebody in the phone and having them call or now using email and everything else, all the electronic devices too. These folks have the connect. They call them. 
So that's an opportunity those independent reps have that other reps don't. But again, these are experience. We're not dealing with young reps. We're dealing with experienced, you know, 10, 15, 20 year veterans. So it's a little bit different game. Wonderful, Tom. Thank you so much and appreciate you sharing your knowledge. No, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. Also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.